My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 87 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. So, uh, yeah, we've just been kind of running down. And uh, I think uh, it's 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 good that we're recording today. Yeah, it always is. It's never a bad time when we're recording. It's only like, yo, that was terrible. It's been a bit. I mean, let's just say it. Like October was stacked with stuff. Yeah, no, it was a lot of stuff. Plus, I had a death in the family, so I had to go to Hawaii. Yep. And uh, there was just like a lot of stuff that happened, which you know that's life, right? Like, yeah. I mean, on one hand, I don't want to start every episode apologizing. (laughs) That's that's kind of ridiculous. On the other hand, it is getting to the point where people are starting to say, "I think we're actually still gaining." listeners yeah and so newer listeners are kind of like hey you guys gonna put out more than once a month or what the uh, fuck you know yeah sorry guys yeah well you know what though i will say predictively expect more output from the cinepunks flagship that's what i'm hoping for i mean here we are today's november 10th? 10th yeah yeah um i'm hoping we'll record again around thanksgiving right maybe, maybe we can do a, a thanks killing like you yeah know, yeah, yeah. and then come december are we gonna do christmas movies we december? should and we should purposefully not do die hard because let yeah. me tell you that is at first i can think of like man when when evo was like yo die hard's my favorite christmas movie it was the first time i had heard it and i was like yeah evo you're a genius which i still stand by evo tomas genius <sighs> sure but as I move further from it, I'm like, it's kind of annoying, though. Oh, calling it a, a Christmas, Christmas movie? I don't think it's annoying. Here's the deal. I get that it's getting old for everyone to hear it over and over again. Yeah. But the authority on Christmas movies, one, Alonzo Duralde. Uh, <laughs> you might know him from uh, Who Shot Ya podcast or uh-huh. Linoleum Knife podcast, or he's the editor editing manager of The Rap, uh, film editor of The Rap, um, and he used to be on What the Flick, and he's a regular commenter on Filmstruck, blah, 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 blah. Mm. He's also the authority on Christmas movies. Like, no one has... More Christmas movies. No one has delved into doing a book on Christmas movies the way that he did. And every year he's writing about all the new Christmas movies and looking for old ones that people haven't heard of, and he's like the fucking authority. And my man is like, look... If your point is that hipsters have ruined Die Hard for you, or if your point is that you're tired of hearing about Die Hard, that's all fine. But if your point is also Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, I'm sorry. There is no measure. <laughs> Just because <laughs> it's not called say. Reindeer, blah, 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 there is as much Christmas in Die Hard right, as right, there right, in right. any other Christmas as movie. As so and... if you're sick of it, that's fine. But A, it's a good movie, and B, yeah. it's definitely a Christmas movie. Right. Um, there are plenty of movies that occur around Christmas that don't count as Christmas movies because it just doesn't play into the plot. Right. But it's such a part of Die Hard is that it's happening during, during Christmas, Christmas party, yeah. that it's just silly to say, it's not a real Christmas. What, what the fuck is a real? So <laughs> only movies with Santa Claus in it are right, real Christmas right, right. movies. Like, yeah, yeah, no. That's, it's that's just, it's, it's at minimum, it's a holiday movie. That said, mind. we're going to get to Christmas movies in December, sir. That's what's happening. I think that's good. I think yeah. We do owe an apology, uh, you know, as the show is going, more and more people are hitting us up like, Ayo, when are you going to have me on the old Cinepunks? Yeah. And uh, so much so we have literal people who we had scheduled with and then we had to reschedule and then we just yeah. never got back to them. And so to those people, I do think we owe a bit of an apology because we want to have people on. But, yeah. you know, this show is not an interview show. No, it's so a like, movie show. So, like, if we can get together and we didn't get one of y'all to come on, we're still going to record. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's just what it is. Yeah, this is yeah. The, 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 it's just we. These films don't talk about themselves, people. We're going to get that's those what it comes down there. to. So, 
Okay, um, before we jump into our patented, our fucking patented special feature. I just put my mouth on coffee. Sorry. We want to uh, thank uh, two groups of people, not entirely unrelated. The first is all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, yeah. Please go and check out the Patreon. Patreon. Uh, check out our Patreon. Become <laughs> a patron of our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Um, you know, we're or actually Patreon we're actually gonna, here's the deal. We're going to be reworking the rewards soon because we really wanted people to do it. So we offered a lot of shit, and the reality is some of that shit we can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah, and some of it doesn't really reflect the new shows. Yeah, some of the things of some tectonic plates have shifted. Yeah, so the lay of the land is different now for us. And on, and honestly, we just want to start putting content up there instead. So that's sort of our next step. And I bring that up not to just say like so fuck you, but more to say. Um, so if you want some of the hookups that are on there now, Now's jump the on now before we change everything. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. change it. We might even change it to like a per episode instead of a monthly, which will encourage us to actually put some fucking episodes out. Right. Um, but yeah, like what we, you know, we we're not sure how it's gonna change, but it is gonna change. So you want to get on it now. And thanks, you know, we just have a dedicated group of people who support us on there, and we really appreciate that. We really do. Um, from the from the bottom of our heart. Yeah, and we couldn't do it. I mean. Eventually, we want the Patreon to be a source of funds for us to grow Cinepunks. But as it stands right now, we couldn't do it without that support. Like, at this point, we would have given up because it's just a lot of fucking work. Yeah. Um, I also want to, before we even shout out our sponsor, I also want to shout out all the writers. You know, while we weren't recording a lot of episodes in October, we had something go up every day almost. Almost. Yeah. Uh, Cineween. F- for Cineween. And a lot of it's really good. So if you, for whatever reason, just hadn't had a chance to check it out or you had other things going on, Give go read, read some of that yeah, stuff. Go yeah, look up. It's pretty awesome. We have amazing people writing yep. for us. Yep. Um, and so I just wanted to shout all of them out and say they're really great. Um, and we have some new shows coming from people soon. So all that. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. XLVACX.com. Look, <laughs> get something printed. I mean, that's all I need to say. <laughs> yeah, that's they good. do. They do. They do a great job. Yeah, Yo, you like shirts? You like printed shirts? Go to them. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna print on your hoodie or your t shirts or your sweatshirts. It's not, and we're not talking about a, a one off here. Uh, if you just <laughs> need like a shirt, that's not what they're about. But uh, here's the thing: why not come up with a cool design, put it on a ton of? I mean, let's follow the example of our of our friends. Uh, Evan Villella and Joey Breeding. Let me tell you something. I wore that Poison Idea gritty Philly fanatic yeah. shirt. Yeah. When I voted. Yeah. On Tuesday, and, and then I took a picture with it. Yeah. And uh, Cross Keys used that picture for like our go vote thing or whatever. And that picture got more likes than I think every single Cross Keys picture ever yeah. taken. And I think that's because Evan and Joey are awesome. Well, yeah. So here's the deal. I mean, first, props to them. They printed it at LVAC. People. First of all, props to them. Big uh, ups. First of all, props to them for making <laughs> that shirt. And they're going to do a second run in different colors. So oh. definitely keep an eye on on their uh, Instagram. I guess uh, Joey's is Wooder. Wooder World. Wooder World. W-O-O-D-E-R-W-O-R-L-D. Or Evan's is Occult Obsession. Occult underscore obsession. Yeah. But I also bring it up to say they printed those at LVAC. And you could do that. You could come up with a cool idea. 
pre-sell it. You don't even need the money up front to print the shirts. Pre-sale that shit on the fucking internet. Right. Get if you all have the a money. Dope idea. Let me get tell all you that something. money in. Figuring out dope ideas for shirts not as easy as you think. Well, I'm making it sound easy because I want them to do the. Shirt oh yeah, but I'm just saying. If you think you got the right stuff, do it. We challenge you. Get LVAC to print the shirts for you. I just think it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I Josh was just making it so complicated. Yeah, that got weird. I'm sorry. That you're was like, weird. You're like kind of busted up. Yeah. You're like, well, your ideas suck. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get them to order <laughs> no, shirts, Josh. No, I was Josh. just saying, I have a story about it, but we'll go into it at a different time. Oh, because you know people who made shitty shirts? Oh, I made shitty shirts is what I happened. bet you did. Yeah, I made so many shitty. So for this, okay, a little side note. For this year's New York Comic Con, me and Mark Beamer, who does shirts for a cure, we were selling t-shirts, and this, this year was the first of the female doctors for Doctor Who, and... um. I had a shirt that was a word bubble from the Watchmen uh-huh. that says October 15th, 1985, or Rorschach's Journal. And then it said, um, tonight a comedian died in New York City. And it was just a white shirt with the word bubble on it and a uh-huh. red blood splotch. And we had a contest during the, the New York Comic Con. It was four days to see whose shirt sold more, right? Because he did a Doctor Who print, which was it said the number 13 and was the color of her jacket and her shirt and so on and so forth. And so we're going head to head, seeing who gets more sales. No and one bought your shitty. I Rorschach sold seven shirts. of them. Oh my seven God. people. I even there were four Rorschach cosplayers. I was like, "Yo, check out the sweet Rorschach shirt," and they're like, "I don't get it." And then I, I did a cartwheel. Jeff Pelly was there. He would have gotten knocked out, but he didn't. So uh, yeah, Beamer didn't sell much more either, though. <laughs> he sold, oh, like, he he sold like eleven. Of the Doctor Who shirt? Yeah. That's because comic nerds are sexist. Dude, they did the premiere at Comic-Con. They had like... Yo, from what I understand, a lot of people I know who are fans of Doctor Who yeah. think this season is like actually really great. Like Not just like, it's cool, it's a woman, but like, no, oh, also like the show is amazing. Genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Well, someone got the memo like, hey, we're making a sci-fi show. Maybe we should have a budget for special effects. Oh. And that this year, all the... F- like, are you a Whovian? Of... Yo, here's my deal. Go ahead. I know what real Whovians are like. Right. And you just... I would say my relationship to Doctor Who is like my relationship to the Philadelphia Eagles. I grew up with real-ass Eagles fans who knew a lot of shit. Yeah. So the fact that I've been... I've been to more Eagles games... Really? ...than to any other sporting event ever. Because uh, I've only been to three... Do you know the rules? No, I've only been to four Phillies games. And I've been to six Eagles games. That's so many games. So many games. But do you know the rules to all these sports? No, I don't fucking know. So I mean, yeah, I basically there? know the football r- rules. The only reason I know rules of football is because the Tecmo Bowl Nintendo. Right, exactly. Tecmo, well, I, no, I had a... I had, or even I was, yard Fight. I was very dedicated to the Madden on oh, wow. PlayStation 2. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think PlayStation 2. Because I don't think... Because play, PlayStation 3 I only got because of... Blu-ray player, but I but I, I I played Madden on PlayStation Two. Other people played it, and I played with them. Basically. Okay, so, so you so, being a Doctor Who fan, all then. that to say is, uh, so on one hand, yeah, I won't don't consider myself an Eagles fan because Eagles fans are a different kind of being. It's a breed of fandom that we are just and, not. And honestly, the reason yeah. I haven't kept up with the Eagles is because to me it's such a commitment. I just yeah. don't have time. It's That's also how I feel. Eagles. That's how I feel about Doctor Who. Right. There are two doctors, the the famous scarf one. The first guy. No, not first. Are you kidding me? Doctor Who started in black and white, my friend. Oh. Doctor Who has a long history. Right. Uh but I don't know. but people who are true Whovians will know that 
the scarf guy. Yeah. And then whoever was post scarf guy, the first guy after the scarf guy. Right. Uh, I watched those on PBS when I was a kid uh-huh. religiously. Ah. And I still don't consider myself a Whovian because I've never watched anything before scarf guy. Right. And honestly, after I that's stopped. A lot of, that's a lot of who to consume. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I could, if you just played a short clip of like a Dalek speaking, I know immediately what that is. Whereas right. I guess people who don't know anything about Doctor Who, they'd be like, what the fuck is that? I'm right. like, well, those are the Daleks. I know what the fuck Daleks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, compared to a true fucking Whovian, yeah. I don't know shit. I haven't watched any new, any of the more modern Doctor Whos, which is like four Doctors now. Like the Tenet guy? Yeah, I haven't watched yeah. any of that shit. Or the spinoff show? You know, there's a that, spinoff show. Which one's the spinoff? Is that Torchwood or whatever? Yeah, Torchwood. Yeah. I haven't watched no. a fucking episode yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even watch the TV movie with Eric Roberts because they covered it for Eric Roberts before you were I was on the, on the podcast. Wow. So... To me, I'm not a real Who fan. Right. But I know more than your average non-Who fan because yeah. I watched it so much as a kid. But to be fair, I think part of that was because I was such a young kid. I don't remember it. It's, you know, I watched a lot of fucking Tales from the Dark Side, but when I watched Tales from the Dark Side now as an adult, I don't remember a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't remember none of it. But I used to watch it like every day. Same thing with like the Tales from the Crypt on HBO. Like I yeah. remember watching all of it, but uh, I'm watching it now. I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff at all. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that like, if I kept watching it, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you'd with, be... a, with X-Men, I read X-Men when I was a kid, but yeah. then I kept reading X-Men. So it's right, like right, right. in my brain in a way that Doctor Who isn't because after a while, I just stopped watching it. So you're not walking around with a sonic screwdriver in your pocket or whatever? No, I mean, friend of the show who we already brought up, Evan Vola, has a huge fucking TARDIS on his arm. You he know? does. That's yeah. a real commitment. I That's don't know that. love for Whovian, yeah. Like I said, I know what a TARDIS is. I know what Daleks are. I know there's a guy with a scarf. <laughs> Do you remember the rapper Dalek? You remember that, dude? Uh, used to play with hardcore Okay, bands but all the time. here's the, the thing about Dalek. Yeah. Is that one dude or is that a group? I thought it was, it was like him and a, I thought right? it was him and a DJ at minimum. Yeah. Maybe three dudes. Maybe maybe three dudes. I just remember them being on hardcore shows and being like, <laughs> "Oh, what is this band? A new hardcore band?" No, it's a rap. Band. I think they were on hardcore shows mostly because of Sean Agnew cuz Agnew was just like, "I'm going to book Dalek with everybody." <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they yeah. They were I mean, they were basically like they were nerd rap in that their beats were nerdy but then the content was not nerd rap no, they weren't was, nerdy white dudes they weren't no uh, but the beats were fucking nerdy they yeah. their beats made lp sound like mob deep like their beats were fucking weird just weird ass <laughs> shit just fucking yeah. noise and shit I get but it. but they weren't like backpackers at all at least no, that wasn't the vibe they I definitely got. didn't give off the like you know backpacker vibe to me but again Apparently, all my dials on hip hop are completely askew. So I oh, I, we'll get to that. We'll get the, to that in the uh, <laughs> patented section. But let us finish off this moment right now by saying, "Print your shirts at LVAC XLVACX.com. <laughs> it's time now for our patented, for our world famous, just unbelievably important, and our own original idea, the audio equivalent of. A beautiful meal in a five-star Zagat-rated restaurant. Oh, that's fair. Like Isn't that, that good? That's Isn't good. That good. That's very I good. I thought about that just now. Uh, whack! And on track! <laughs> you went too fast for I me. went too fast. I got Let's two. I got two. Into- All right. It. It's time for... Whack it on track! God, we were so That's loud. So just awesome. Then. We might so have awesome, broke though. our <laughs> thing, though. That's how joy is produced, sir. Oh That's God. what you get. All right. So, whack on track. Liam. Yes. What have you done lately that was 
either whack or on track. All right. Well, I think. Um, oh man, it's been so long since yeah, we recorded. It's been since at least one month. Yeah. So uh, I think on track. First and foremost, uh, I got to talk about uh, this episode. We're going to discuss. Suspiria. A little movie called A Suspiria. But uh, we did two nights in a row where we saw Halloween and we saw Suspiria. Now, both of these movies have had mixed responses, and we're right. going to get into the Suspiria a little bit. But I, I want to mention them both because we had fun seeing both of these movies. Super good time. Um, I think, upon reflection, a lot of people's criticisms of Halloween, I kind of get. You yeah. know, they kind of click for me a little bit. Uh, I think that Halloween could have done better with a lot more Jamie Lee Curtis in it. JLC, yeah. A lot more of that house situation. I got to say, though, Jamie Lee was awesome in this movie. Yeah, but I just think there's a lot I of time. I could have used more, and that's why, but, yeah. but I thought you was so There's just a little bit too much time spent with sexy teenagers. Yeah, that's fine. And who cares about sexy teenagers? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. give me Jamie Lee Curtis fighting Michael like that. Yes. Yeah. Running around with like guns and shit. Into yeah. it. Into it. Yeah. So, give me that. Yeah. So, uh, but just seeing it with you and then coming back the next night for Suspiria, that was just a good time. So fun, right? I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, whacking on track, and I think we can spend some time on this. Uh-huh. A 24 hour horror fest. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Uh, we love Exhumed. We love uh, marathon movie watching situations. Yeah. It. Uh, uh, all right. Let's 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 talk about this a little bit. Right. Um, you were a little sleepy. I was because you went and saw Nick Cave the night before, and I had just gotten back from Hawaii the yeah. day before that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I we both stayed for what we could. I didn't stay the whole night, but I was no. there till like three in the morning. Jesus Christ! Uh, I bailed at like ten. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, so, what did you? Let's talk first about just your experience. What did you think of Twenty uh, Four Hour Horizon? Uh, always a great time. Always a good time seeing people that we love and that we never get to see very often, and getting to see these friends in the venue that we all love so much, which is just watching movies on thirty five and enjoying the shit out of that. So this year. They not only had um, their usual just amazing giveaway. Yeah. It was all pretty awesome, honestly. Uh, I thought the lineup was pretty good this year. You didn't get to stay for all of it. No, I saw saw The Last Shark, Fade to Black. We uh, got a beautiful dinner with a friend of the podcast and former guest Jenny Dreadful and uh, a few other people for War of the Gargantuas. <laughs> and then uh, came back for some Rosemary's Baby and then Poltergeist 2. And then that's when I bailed. And Werewolves on Wheels was next, followed by The Company of Wolves. Then The Ghost. Then Monstrosity. Followed by Spookies. And then Hellraiser 3. Evil Speak. Carrie. And Popcorn was the final movie. So that's 14 flicks. And only one of them was on CG. Or it was on a uh, digital, right? Like uh, yeah, usually none of them are on digital, but, but the one was like hard to find. Yeah, they just there's not a copy of it. And honestly, I think um, was it, it Monstrosity? Was that the one or the yeah. Ghost? It was one of those like late night dawns. Yeah, but basically, I mean, the idea was like uh, it's it's um, yeah, it's Monstrosity. Yeah. Harry's releasing that movie. Oh, nice. nice, um, nice. So I think for him, it was important to mm, to show. Yeah. But, um, you know, I really was under the false impression 
that I reviewed these on Letterboxd, but I only reviewed one of these movies. Yeah, I, I realized also that I didn't add them all in my Letterboxd on the ones that I did see. But that's I, okay. I, I need to I need to remember to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of just want to run through and... Um, sorry, uh, now I'm bringing up my thing. I'm such a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> Uh, run through and just talk about what I thought of the ones that I watched. So I think we both thought um, Great the White, shark. the Last Shark, otherwise known as Great White. I liked it. I thought it was really great. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Weird, fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny too because the, the the good gentlemen of Exhumed had to create their own subtitles for it because there it was like a rare movie that was uh, hardly ever screened in America and mm-hmm. it didn't have existing subtitles, so they had to create the subtitles. Through uh, watching bootleg versions of it and like other like dubbed versions of it to try yep. and get the best translations. Yep. So you'd think they'd know someone who spoke Italian. No, not necessarily. I don't know. Maybe it's a, just one guy person. Point is, it really worked it, and, and it was cool getting to see it because it's not something you can see regularly. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, pretty ridiculous. Movie 2, Fade to Black. I liked it a lot. I liked it until we got to the end. I thought the ending was a little drawn out, yeah. unfortunately. I was like, ah. But uh, it. The was it Mickey Ro- or Mickey Rourke's in that movie? It was weird. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a really off-putting horror movie from that era. I yeah, think. it's very uncomfortable because it's like, uh. I'm glad we got food during War of the Gargantuas because I've seen it before. I've not seen it. I don't think I'm a fan of those kinds of movies though. But Rosemary's Baby on 35. Let's talk about that for a minute. How beautiful is that? Print? I'm so fucking torn because um, of the Polanski thing. Yeah, I yeah, hate. it's difficult and it sucks. But it's also that like, movie is magical. It's so rules. fucking yeah. good. And here's the thing: I even said before starting to Justin Miller, I was like, eh, I'm kind of eh on this movie, and I realized that's that that's not true at all. Yeah. I actually love this movie. I've just I've played it down in my mind because of my feelings about Polanski and how I just don't want to like his movies and I don't want to like him and yeah. whatever. And the reality is, Rosemary's Baby is an amazing movie made by a fucking shitbag. Yeah, who at the time from all accounts wasn't yet a shit bag so maybe you could take a, some some solace in that yeah but the reality is he sucks and it doesn't make the movie any less good but dude Cassavetes is amazing in it no it's it's so it's good such a it's a beautiful so movie and the print was good. so awesome like yeah oh dude the print just looked so beautiful good job exhumed good job yeah poltergeist 2 fucked me up I forgot how fucking, fucking scary that fucking movie is. I I ditched you and you watched it. And yeah, I went and did other stuff because I had oh other my stuff god, to do. I just wanted to catch up with some people and I wanted to eat some more food. I was still hungry. I'm not mad at that. I mean, we ate sushi. It's not like we had like a bunch of stuff. We here's here's <laughs> here's the deal. <laughs> sushi is not exactly what people go to for filling food. Yeah, and I've also I've seen it lately. I've seen it. Oh, I have I hadn't seen it in a long time. The the fucking priest. The old man was... Oh, my so God. Here's a little bit of trivia for those of you who don't know. The man who plays the ghost of the preacher dude yeah. was dying while they were making this Actually movie. had cancer. He had cancer. And he, it was really important to him to do the role anyway. And to me, it's a fucking lifetime role. I yeah. wish the rest of the movie was better. And not racist and weird. It's and, very racist. Yeah, it's a weird. fucked up movie. Man. But... His performance and then the worm part. Oh, so brutal. Between those two things, it's it's, it's worth such watching. a worth movie. I think it's worth watching, yeah. even if it's kind of fucked up. Uh, <laughs> Werewolves on Wheels. That's not a movie for me. I'd seen it on uh, Shutter when it was on there a while ago, and I don't like it. It's, it's just funny. not my thing. Yeah. If you like it, that's cool. If maybe it's a better I movie. I only but... remember the video box for Company of Wolves. I don't think I've ever seen it. 
Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh no, you know what? I I it's a movie that I have watched before. Uh-huh. But I think I was pretty young the first time I saw it. So parts of it I just didn't remember. Did you like all. it? I fucking love that movie. Love that movie. I fucking love it. So you haven't seen it at all. Never ever not seen it. I Yo, only know the box. Get it. You need yeah? to get it. Okay. I think you would all like right. that movie a lot. I'm in. I'm in. Um The Ghost. It's too late at night for a fucking uh <laughs> for a fucking this guy. What is his name? Andy something. Oh the um Milligan. Andy Milligan. Yeah. Too late at night. Oh no, Andy Milligan's the next movie. Oh. Uh, the ghost is like a, a, a Italian noir sort of thing. Did you like it? Uh, I only watched a little bit of it, and then, yeah. I, and then I really thought the next movie is that's going to pull me back in. And then the next movie was the Andy Milligan monstrosity movie. It's like three in the morning. I was like, "Fuck it! I don't care <laughs> yeah. what the rest of the lineup is." The rest of the lineup's amazing, though. And that's that's my, the thing. That's the thing. Is I ended from up from ten to bad. fourteen. Yeah, it looks so good. Okay, so what was after monstrosity? Spookies. I've never seen Spooky. Never seen Spooky. And in like fact, another movie we that tried to watch it. We tried to watch it for our uh, Canuck exploitation episode of yeah. Horror Business. Yeah. And we just couldn't find a copy. It's on YouTube, so I might watch it on YouTube. But, yeah. But we were we wanted to watch it HD. We couldn't find a copy of it. Yeah. And uh, I wish I had stayed for it. But then again, I don't because I was able to go home and get some sleep and have nice. a day the next day. So yeah. There you go. What was after Spookies? Uh, Hellraiser three. Fuck that movie. That movie fucking sucks. I don't think I I've ever seen it. I hate that movie. Yeah. It's actually it's funny because they said oh it's better than the ones after. I actually according to Justin Lore, I'm told that some of the Hellraisers after Hellraiser three. Are, are actually no nah, better than Hellraiser three. That Hellraiser three is actually the nadir of the series. Oh so wow! To speak. Okay, fair. I, I just never watched. I hate Hellraiser three so much. <laughs> You're just like fuck it. I'm, I'm done. I've never yeah. watched anything after. That's that. funny. And then they followed that with Evil Speak. Clint Howard. It's so good. It's such a wild movie. That movie <sighs> is so brutal. If Evil Speak had played <laughs> instead of Monstrosity, I would have stayed. All yeah. Night. I would have yeah. stayed all night because I love that movie so much. <laughs> that movie's so bizarre. And then Carrie. Dude, to see a it's 35 great. millimeter print carry would have been It's amazing. great. I know a lot of people are iffy on it, but you are wrong. Yeah, that it's, movie rules. It's, no, it's, it's not the best movie. De Palma movie. It's an amazing Sissy Spacek movie. Yeah, it's Dude, really and good. PJ Souls is in it. Like, yeah. There's so many awesome things about that movie that yeah. I love so much. Yeah. Uh, and then they finished with popcorn. With uh, I love popcorn. Yeah. It was a blind buy on Blu-ray for me. I just got it. So good. I, I it's on. It. I think that's also on... Uh, on um, Shutter. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I would uh, recommend watching it if you've never seen it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot movie. of fun. Super fun. Uh, okay, so the the you know uh, thank I think you again we, to Joseph. Yeah. and to the rest of the Exum yeah. family. Uh, we love you guys so much. Yeah, if that's not obvious enough. But uh, yeah. I think that was my big really ho- October Halloween activity. I went to Brooklyn Horror Film Fest. Did I talk about that on here? No, you didn't. I just want to say it was cool, and the movies I saw there that were worth seeing were uh, Knife and Heart. Right, a French, Adriana loved that movie. French Jalo, I think it's really great. Um, Luz, yeah, this is really, Luz really is good. Really good. Really, and really then Starfish good. was another movie. And Starfish, about. Yeah. Uh, I also saw. Oh, big up to Joe Yannick, by the way. For uh, yeah, I believe that they they had. He's some releasing those. Yeah, 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 yeah. so oh, awesome. Yeah, good luck. Uh, Dude, you know, so Welcome cool. to Mercy was also really good. I just yeah. didn't love. You know, with Suspiria, I didn't like the climax. Yeah, Welcome to Mercy, I didn't like the. Stinger. Oh. There's like a last second stinger. You said you saw it coming and you weren't psyched on it. No, I didn't see it coming. I oh. Well, I did kind of, I could tell something was going to happen. Right. But it didn't have to happen for the movie to be good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Fair. 
Um, so yeah, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest was cool. Yeah, sorry guys, you know when we haven't recorded in a while, the <laughs> whacking on track gets really long. It's yeah, it's but, true. Uh, but I, I just think it's worth mentioning that Hearthon was great for what we saw. Yeah, uh, and then I really think if you have the opportunity to see Knife and Heart, Starfish, or Luz, these are all movies worth seeing. Right. They're really great. Um, I can't there wait are, to see There them. are reviews of some of them on the website. We couldn't review Luz because it was on on embargo. embargo. So yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't even say that it's good, but it's fucking good. <laughs> um, other things that were whacker on track. Uh, you know, something I wanted to do because a lot of new music has come out recently is just talk about some new music that came out yeah. just quickly because I don't want to take up too much of your time. <laughs> um, well, let me say this first. Uh, another thing that was on track is we took Maeve trick-or-treating for the first time. To where? Trick-or-treating. Ah, uh, yay! And that was really great. That's uh, awesome. If you haven't taken a little kid trick-or-treating for the first time, and so <laughs> she was just so cute, and she loved it, and she still doesn't even really know what candy is, and yet she still had a good time. And so that, that's, that made it worth it, was that she had fun just that's walking awesome. around and looking at all the kids and stuff. stuff. <laughs> uh, and then music... Uh, I just want to run through some stuff, and I'm sure you'll have stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, new Cult Leader just came out. Yeah. It's called A Patient Man. Yeah. I fucking loved it. Loved it. Love it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cult Leader is one of these... How would you describe this? Have you listened to Cult Leader Yeah, before? it's a heavy... Yeah, so there's this nebulous space Yeah, that is not metal core. No, but it's also not not metal. Yeah, it's metal, but it's not metal metal. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. again, it, it, it makes me think of like Converge, but less hardcore. Right. It makes me think of Burnt by the Sun. It makes uh, me think yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Pig Destroyer. You right, know what I mean? Right. Not because it sounds like those bands, but these are bands that you, you would go to a fest and, and Pig Destroyer would be yeah. there and like Suffocation could play, but Suffocation's a real metal band. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Ghoul could play, but Ghoul's like a real metal band. But yeah, they yeah, would play yeah, well yeah, with yeah. the Pig Destroyer. Yeah, I mean, the last time Cult Leader came through that I saw them, they were with Yautja. You know, oh, like yeah. those sorts of bands. That yeah. smart man's metal, I guess you could say. <laughs> this is a bit more melodic, but it's not melodic in a soft way. Mm. They've added some doomy elements and some like singing that's like depressed. Uh, like almost like a swan singing, you know what I mean? Like it's that sort of it's yeah. it's dark. It's a dark record. It's a dark, angry record, and I like it. Yeah. Other things that came out recently, uh, that new City Hunter. I don't know that one. Oh man, two new Youth Attack releases, City, City Hunter, Hunter? Uh, and I forget what the other one's called. Uh, really good, uh, really fucking good. In fact, I would recommend City Hunter a lot uh, mm-hmm. to anyone who likes yelly fast hardcore i guess is what i want to say about that (laughs) you know what i mean like that's sort of like it it's going it's angry yeah Um, what's the name of the record deep blood uh you know they're a bit of a gimmick band when they perform the man wears that mask and has a knife okay so the image on the front looks like an image from an 80s slasher yeah and they're definitely influenced by 80s slashers all their shirts and stuff look like 80s slasher oh nice well, that's what the guy looks like live. He has a fucking Whoa. mask and a knife, and he runs into the crowd. And he, <laughs> like, I'm told he takes members of the crowd hostage while he's singing. Ah, okay. It's like a whole gimmick, but I like it. I like it. Nice. Uh, also, just came out on Youth Attack, Pain Game, uh, Creepster. Not as good as City Hunter, but still really good. Uh-huh. And then another band that just came out recently with something that I really like on Beach Impediment Records is um, Blood Pressure. 
who I've I've played their old stuff for you before. Yeah, I remember that band. Uh, the new record is really good, uh, and so that's also on track for me. Uh, but also came out on Beach Impediment, and that's a whack for me. Is uh, the new Vanity? Uh, Vanity is members of uh, NYC Headhunters. Uh, oh, I thought you were like Vanity has a new record out. No, it's a band called Vanity. <laughs> Vanity is, I think, dead. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's but for sure, the dead. band Vanity, which is members of NYC Headhunters, mm. the brother of I think the singer of the Rival Mob, one of the guys in Rival Mob, his brother is in NYC Headhunters, mm. and that dude also sings for that. I think he sings for that band Vanity. Mm. It's not. It's not for me. It sounds like bad Rolling Stones to me. I, I just can't get into it. And it's yeah. r- kind of popular right now, and I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So that was my whack, because I was really excited for it, and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. good. Uh, also on track, new Regional Justice Center. Yeah. I love that band a lot. I think Brian Murray's in that band now, so big ups to Brian Oh, really? Murray. Cool. I think he plays bass in that band. They just played in Philly recently, and I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. They played with Drows. I heard the show was good. I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't go. Couldn't make it. Uh, uh, also, on those lines, that band Fixation. Yeah, real good. marked that new record. Real good, real yeah. good. Uh, and then uh, because I was just in Bandcamp, I'll bring up another Bandcamp thing. Um, have you heard this uh, Marvin J? No, Marvin Gay vocals over uh, J Della Beats. Oh, Marvin J. Wow, highly recommend it. Oh. Very funky. That sounds awesome. Uh, and then also something that was recommended to me by a friend of the show, uh, Joey Breeding. Mm-hmm. So I never even heard of uh, this record before, but he was like, "You should check this out. I think you'll dig it." Is uh, hold on, I want to get the r- r- name right. Uh, Tierra Whack, Tierra T I E R R A Whack W H A C C K, Philly rapper. Uh-huh. Uh All of her songs are one minute long. Oh, uh, I mentioned this. Uh, Is it like just raw MCing or what? Well, so no. This is what I was saying. You just earlier in our intro, we're talking about your disconnect from hip hop. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that you will not like. This is new uh-huh. style, new whatever. <laughs> right. What what sort of sets her apart from those other people is every song is a minute, so it never wears out its welcome. <laughs> and from what I can tell, I think all the vocals are her. Oh. So there are parts that are so very... So it's like power violence hip hop? Well, no, it's like... A, there are parts that are very mm, sound cloudy to me. Uh-huh. That's her. There are parts that are very aggressive emceeing to me. That's also her. And then there are sung hooks that are very pretty. Mm-hmm. Also her. Yeah. Uh, so I think the diversity of it and that there are songs on here that clearly she does not take herself too seriously. Mm-hmm. They're very funny and goofy as well as songs that are not funny and goofy. Mm-hmm. I just really liked it. It was just one of those things where he was just like, check this out. And I listened to it. It's very short. I listened mm-hmm. to the record the whole, on the way down. It was only like half an hour. Mm-hmm. And That's I was 30 like, songs. I was like, yo, this is fucking good. <laughs> um, I know it's less than half an hour. I'm just saying it was very short. And yeah, yeah, I listened yeah. to it twice on the way down and I really liked it. Cool. Uh, so yeah, big up to that. And then the last thing I was going to say is the new Warthog. Yeah, short EP. dude, that fucking record rips. Fucking ripper. So good. So good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm sure there are record. other new things that have come out, but those are all the things that I've been listening to a mm-hmm. chunk lately. 
How about you, man? What's whacking on track? So, uh, going on with the more music stuff, uh, the new Devil Master manifestations that came out. I haven't heard it yet. Oh my god! It's It's like every. It's on Spotify, all streaming services. It's everything that I love about aggressive music. It's like really vaguely evil, kind of crusty, like from Philadelphia. That is my shit. Yes. Um, Another record that came out that I was uh, way into, Pare Nostre Che Esto La Linfern. It's uh, by a band called Crim. From Spain is an oi band. Uh, the the title tra- I, I totally murdered that title of the record, but it, it uh, translates to uh, "You are our father in hell." And there's a straight up rousing oi style hardcore from Spain, and it's fucking awesome. Um, the new Hotel Neon record called Inward. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Tell me about that. Hotel Neon is a ambient project, so okay. it's like a very lilting music. It's a lot like bands like that I enjoyed, like Alluvium, sure, and Losel, sure. and like those more stayed. But it is an epic and beautiful elegiac record. Um, I really, really like it. A lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, I go to sleep to that." And it's it's the kind of music like Brian Eno. Like if you engage in it, you can hear different layers that would probably resonate differently with you. Sure. Or if you don't pay attention, you can also just kind of go to sleep to it, which is pretty cool. Uh, Heavy Mental Fuck Up by Paranoid. I don't know when that came out, but I, I just found it, and I really, really like it. Yeah, I don't know that um, band. Oh, Paranoid. You don't know Paranoid? No. They're like a Swedish D-beat hardcore band that's inspired by Japanese hardcore. Huh. They're fucking awesome. Is that on Spotify, Bandcamp? It's uh, on where all streaming services, so I believe it's on both of those things. Okay. Um, the new Warthog record rips. Uh, the Silence Kit, which is a band from here. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. They just put out a new record called Fall Protection. That's really, really good. Um, uh, the drummer from that band, Darren, is a good friend of mine. And uh, his partner, Carly, is in a band with me called Aspect Ratio, which is the band where I, we just sing songs about movies. Sure. And so, um, you know, Ancillary, I end up like seeing and listening to this band a lot. And uh, that new record is really, really good for fans of like the Guided by Voices. Like, more yeah, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a more aggressive Guided by Voices if you mix it with uh, Drive Like Jehu kind of offbeatness it's really really good sure also available in all streaming services um so those are all on track uh no other on track stuff i saw the 20th anniversary dillinger four show in asbury park okay where um they were supposed to play with off with their heads as an acoustic set okay and uh apparently those dudes were like yeah acoustic off with their head we're just gonna plug everything in and everyone's gonna be here and we're just gonna play off with their heads so they did and that was like a nice surprise because i was like yo I'm not so sure I'm in on some acoustic off with their heads. I think right. that might be some uh, get some Korean burrito thing happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, D4 came on and they played a bu- couple like songs off of like their records, and then you heard the sample from the beginning of Midwestern Songs of the Americas, and then they played the entire record from front to back, and it was awesome. Yeah. Gentleman Jim from um, Crucial Youth was there because he does he lives in Asbury and he yeah. does the sound at that new place. So uh, you know there was of course uh, some male nudity. And uh, <laughs> just a lot of sing-along. But the thing is, the show was like only had like 100 people at the show. It was like wow. half sold. Like there was pretty empty, which is kind yeah. of a bummer because it's like, yo, D4, that's like one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. I think they're... So that was that was fun, though. Was, I mean, like, again, the, the converse of that is that I got to see Dillinger 4 in a room where I wasn't like pressed up against a million people. So yeah, that's cool. Fine. And then the week after that, we saw Lifetime in Asbury, and that was sold yeah. out, and that was amazing. And then we saw Lifetime in Brooklyn the next night. Yeah. So two nights of Lifetime, super fun. Um, it was a good time. So those were on track. Oh, I also saw Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in Brooklyn. Yeah. So here's what happened prior to like our 
my, our huge break, which ends with this episode. Yeah. Uh, my uncle, who lives in Hawaii, had passed away. And sure. He's a very beloved part of my family. Yeah. And I love my family very much. And uh, I had to go to Hawaii to go to his funeral. So now, if you understand the weird disconnect of going to a paradise type scenario and doing it for a sad reason, it's a weird thing. It's a weird like, thing. It's a weird so experience. There's a lot of uh, emotional, uh, like, just it, it. It's one of the things that, like, it's. I don't really. I'm not like a crier. I don't cry very often. Okay. And I was weeping a lot during this trip. Sure. And it was a bummer because it was like everything that we did that wasn't funeral related, like going to the beach. It was a lot of like this is where Uncle really liked to set up, yeah. and like, you know it was like everything was, and you know, my uncle Agu was like one of the greatest people I I've known in life. So sure, you know, him passing was very sad for me and uh, my family. So I mean, the of course the odd positive is that you get to see these family members that live in all corners of the world. So it was nice to see everybody, and I love everybody very much. But uh, to my uncle Santiago, I say, ahuiho means i'll see you soon yeah hmm. hopefully so not. that was why that was hopefully well, not too soon not too soon <laughs> but i'll see you again so that was that was awful that was hard to deal with it's actually hard to talk about right now which is weird no but, i um, get that i get that so that was uh but here's the other thing i had to fly back from hawaii and i went from honolulu to lax then lax to detroit and then i had to go from detroit to philly and evo had told me he says that he, uh, maybe I heard it wrong. Also, it was like 14 hours of flying. He was like, yo, there's a 10-foot statue of RoboCop in the Detroit airport. No, you gotta take a picture. Not. And I was thoroughly convinced, like, yo. So I flew from LAX to Detroit, and it was like a six, five-hour whatever. So understand this. I leave Hawaii, and it's 90 degrees, and I get to Detroit, and it's yeah. 40 degrees, and I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Right? It's awful. But I run off of the plane, and I find the first... Airport worker, to which I say, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" You need to direct me to your RoboCop statue. And the dude looks at me wearing t-shirt and shorts and Vans with no sneak, with no socks, and he's like, "Uh, I don't know what you're talking about." And I was like, "Yes, you do, sir. It's a movie that takes place in Detroit, directed <laughs> by Paul Verhoeven. There's I'm quite no, sure you know." No, no. And he's like, "No, we don't have a statue of RoboCop here." I was like, "But, sir." Jesus. My friend Evo told me that there's a statue of Robocop, and if I don't get a picture with Robocop right now, we're going to have a problem. He's like, well, there's still no t- statue of Robocop. And then I changed in the bathroom. It was cool. So I'm going to put that under whack. Yeah, that's um, whack. That's, that is very whack. <laughs> Other on-track stuff that uh, has happened, uh, played last night with Good Riddance and Big Wig and War on Women. Yeah, how'd it go? It was really fun. I don't know. It was a good time. Um I really enjoyed playing and I enjoyed uh, watching, and so that was fun. Um, the other on-track thing that happened is that punknews.org has sure. uh, premiered the new Cross Keys uh, two-song demo for 2018, and it's our first recordings with Mr. Dave Wagonshoots on drums, who, if you know, friends of the podcast probably know, he played in a couple bands here and there. So uh, it's good to have like recorded stuff with him playing with us, and uh, he's definitely one of my favorite musicians and people in the Philadelphia area. So... Um, Check that out. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Uh, two things that came out that I forgot to mention. Right. New Nightbirds EP. Oh, yeah. It's really so good. good. So good. And the new Super Unison record. I oh, my God. Really I love like that band it's so, so much. Dude, it's so great. Yeah. So great. Is Members of Puncher in that band? Is that where? Yeah. The, uh, the, the vocalist. Yeah. I forget her name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should know her name. But, uh, it's okay. 
you know, I wasn't a huge Punch fan. I like Punch, but I wasn't a huge Punch but fan. But Jay Robbins produced the Super Unison record, didn't he? No, not Jay Robbins. It um, was someone else crazy. You no, know, no, it's um, what's his name from Big Black? Oh, um, and Shellac. Uh, fuck that guy, I'm Steve just, Albini. Yeah, Albini produced. It. Yeah, that's crazy. So man. great. It's, I mean, I like their last record too. It's really good, but I just yeah. think this new one is a next level project for yeah. me, at least. It's awesome. Yeah, it's super good. Um. You know what we didn't mention too? I guess it's been a long time since we recorded. Oh shit! The Gouge Away record and the Candy record came out. Yeah, and I like both also of those good. a lot. Also yeah. good. I also forgot to mention that um, I saw Boy Erased this week, uh, which is how uh, is that? It's a Joel Egerton movie about um, uh, uh, there was a memoir that was written by this dude, and uh, he is the son of. A preacher in I think uh, Alabama or whatever, and uh, he comes out to his parents as being a homosexual. So his parents send him to a gay conversion therapy camp, and uh, so basically it is a, a telling of that story about how he navigates those waters and how he gets out and what happens to him and his family. Uh, stars Russell Crowe and Joel Egerton directed it, and Joel Egerton actually is a, a role in it as well, and. Um, it was one of those movies that if you are, uh, if if you belong to a sect of people that is marginalized in a way that a moral majority comes down on you, yeah, it is a very resonant movie. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure. Um, there's a lot of moments of tears, and there's a lot of parent stuff in there. That's like really well yeah. to watch. So, um, I recommend it though. It's funny though with those movies like that because like it's a difficult story to tell with artistry. I feel yes. as though these stories have to be paint by numbers just by design. Yeah. So you have a story arc to get through. And everybody has, like, you know, everyone has appropriate character building and it feels like a good narrative and um, the story makes sense. But it just feels flat. You know okay. what I mean? Like, and I, I, maybe that speaks to what I'm used to watching uh, these, like, you know, rolling, like, you know, ebbs and flows of movies. But this one just kind of felt like a rote story. But that said, there's like a couple really difficult scenes in there to get through. And um, it was overall, I thought it was a very interesting movie. And I, I enjoyed the story very much. Okay. Um, I also saw a little movie called Overlord. How is but, Overlord? Um, uh, Overlord is kind of like uh, watching a car crash. It's very entertaining. It's like a carbohydrate. There's a lot of flavor to it, but there's not very much substance. Okay. Um, there is uh, a lot of... Uh, it's uh the story is American GIs have to go into uh this uh this village to take down this communications tower of the Nazis so that the um the call can go out to invade the beaches to end World War Two, but they have to take down this communications tower first and they go and then they realize that the Nazis are actually making uh super soldiers uh out of the dead people in the basement of this building, so then they have to go destroy the building and so on and so forth. It was uh I thought it was gonna skew more like 60% zombie horror, 40% World War Two. Sure. But it's actually more like 30% zombie, 70% World War Two. So, oh, okay. Which is fine. I mean, like, it, it touches all the parts, but uh, overall, it's just, um, it is a nerd horror movie for non-nerds. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it was fine. It was fine. Um, and then last night, or the other night, I, oh yeah, I totally have to shout out the fact that uh, 
Apparently, Philadelphia is going through the 11th year of the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival. This is oh, the 11th yeah. installment. Sure. And so um, I actually skipped the Creed 2 press screening to go see the opening night, which is a movie called In the Life of Music. Okay. And uh, the movie is uh, it's about a song, sort of, called um, Champa Batembang, which is a... It's a song made famous by a singer named Sin Sisimuth, who is like the king of Khmer music. It's a Cambodian movie uh, of Khmer music. And um, the movie stars Ellen Wong, who you remember from, uh, she's on HBO's Glow currently, and she is in. Um, she was in Scott Pilgrim vs. Universe as Knives Chow. And she plays um, the daughter of a Cambodian refugee who goes back to Cambodia to find the spot where her parents had um, met dancing to a song this song uh by sin Sismuth. uh and uh it's a it's more of a story of the historical context of this pop music that happened in cambodia right before the khmer rouge and right before war so what happens is like the movie starts out in this really romantic like 60s cambodian like it was really funny to me too because like the way that they dress the characters and the time looks a lot like the photographs of my mom from the seventies. You know what I mean? Like the weird, like, like, um, villager kind of aesthetic. I, I hate to say it cause it sounds like I'm, I'm talking from like some weird, you know, um, urban outfitters kind of like whatever, but that's what it, it looked like the way those urban old pictures, outfitters. it looked like my parents. It looked like my parents is my point. But, um, it takes a, a wild tonal shift in the middle when the war breaks out. So it's told in flashback as this, this woman is moving through um, Cambodia to get to this spot with her family. And um, it's a very... So this movie is... The, the whole theme for the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival this year is music. So it has, like, all the movies that they selected has something to do with music in some either obscure or obtuse way or more acutely, like, just directly what it is. And this movie is centered around a song that originally it started as a pop song that was like kind of like a civic pride song. But then once the war broke out, it became an anthem for these oppressed people that were huh, like... that's really interesting. And so it, and it's, it's a movie that if you are of a particular sect of people, that being first-generation Americans and musicians, this movie will have you crying the entire time. And as a singer, as a songwriter, it was one of those movies that I saw that, like, I could relate so deeply with it. Oh, that's cool. That uh, I think it's probably one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. That's awesome. Um, that said, they had a QA and a because uh, the, the producers are there. The director was not there. It's also directed by a female whose name I can't think of right now. But, um, yeah, that said, it is, uh, they, they had this whole Q&A thing. And one of the questions that somebody posed was like, you know, why is it important to tell these movies about a horrible and horrific past of our people? You know, and the whole consensus of the people on the panel was like, well, you know, without knowing the past of who we are, we'll never know who we are and we'll never know where to go next and all this other stuff. And uh, as a first generation Filipino American, that really bums me out. Mm. And the reason is that we talk so much about, you know, our roots and our identities as people who before we came to America and our families before we got here, yeah. which I'm not saying it's not important, yeah, but I am saying that the agency of who we are currently yeah. is not something that should be discounted, that the experience yeah. of the hyphenated American, the first generation yeah. 
is an experience unto itself. And if you're going to sacrifice that for the sake of telling a story of your forefathers before you got here, I respect it. But don't say that your experience isn't real. Right. You I understand agree. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, totally. I, like, people that are of this set, myself, my brother, you know, we not only have to deal with a generation gap, which is normal, but we have to deal with a culture gap yeah. that is different from everybody else. Yeah. So to say that that is where the meat of who we are comes from isn't exactly wrong, but it discounts the experience of who we are currently. Yeah, I agree. And to me, that is one of the hardest things to deal with. Yeah. It was one of the hardest things to reconcile with growing up, for sure. So, but yeah, Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival, it's going on at the Lightbox until November You're going to go see some more? Yes, yes. Hopefully tonight we're going to see Call Her Gunda, which is a Filipino movie about a uh, trans prostitute in the Philippines that was murdered by an American GI, and the GI is not getting any justice due. And it's it's a really brutal. It's a documentary and came it yeah. came out this year. So that's the first movie. And cool. There's more. So, but yeah, All right, man. Big ups to the Philadelphia American Asian American Film Festival. You guys are doing awesome, and uh, so much love from Cinepunks. And maybe next year we can cover you guys more. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of my whacking on track. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, hey, as we said, we're gonna be talking about Suspiria after the break. I mean, look, you love our whacking on track. I'm sorry it was long. No, you love it. I love it, but it was, it's been a while. It's been a while, so yeah. that's why these are lengthy. But sorry. they should be, because we're awesome. Yeah, and we do awesome shit. So, how about your boys? All right, come on back after the break. Given, always 
So, uh, hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I don't know what, we're, what music should I, should I put something Suspiria esque in. We could put the Tom York soundtrack because people fucking hate that song. I hey, love it. Hey, this episode we're I'm, talking about Suspiria. Yes, and um, I don't know how much we're going to say about it. Basically, I, I I'm all for cars on the table here. Yeah, we this that's just the last thing we both saw. Josh, as you know, sees movies constantly. I do, it's and good. I don't. So uh, <laughs> the last thing I saw that's actually relevant to current moviegoers is Suspiria. So yeah. that's partly just because the release on this. Have you noticed the release on this thing is like not big for a movie that? Okay, has Tom York on the soundtrack? Has let me Tilda tell Swinton. you. T- let me tell you my perception of this. Right. This movie has huge market val- like market share of the conversation. There are right. fucking ads for it. The trailer is everywhere. Every major magazine has mentioned it at least one. Like, it's not yeah, just yeah, written yeah, about yeah. on Birth Movies Death. No. There's articles on fucking Vogue about Suspiria. There's right. articles on huge websites about Suspiria. And yet, it's not in that many theaters. It's only yeah. in 200 theaters right now. That's insane. It's crazy, crazy to me. Too. I yeah. feel like only people in cities are talking about this movie, right? You probably yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah, it yeah. if you're not in something of an urban area Which or at least weird, in a high the market. Property, the, the property that it comes from is so loved. So universal. I actually think that it's that's not true at all. You I think, think people I don't think like the nineteen century. I think that it's universally loved by horror fans. Oh. But you do know. I mean, who is paying let's just put this out there. All right. Who is paying to keep the fucking uh Saw series alive? Who uh, is paying to see every purge movie? The horror fans? No, nah, dog. Like I think who? I don't I know think, who actually I, I, this I think this is what I'm saying because I think horror as yeah. a genre yeah. has multiple layers. Okay. It's kind of like this. Let's relate it. We do this a lot. We're gonna relate movies to music. Okay. Right? If you go to a sick of it all show, yeah. Someone at that show with you at that sick of it all show has recently seen candy. And someone else okay. at that show has not been to a show since six years ago when Sick of It All came out around right my thesis is that there's a bunch of people who like horror who are still very much casual moviegoers okay and my guess is most casual moviegoers who appreciate horror have never seen Suspiria yeah okay and of the people who've seen of the people who've seen Suspiria Suspiria is, from my experience, at least along film Twitter, which is, you know, it's a select group, but these are movie nerds, polarizing movie. About half the people who've seen Suspiria on film Twitter talking about Suspiria, and I mean the original thing, are like, overrated, stupid movie, it's not good. Oh my God. Now the people who love it- John Wren feels this way, by the way. Oh yeah, many people do. He's not alone. Right. Uh, uh, The people who love it fucking love it. And I think what you're getting when you're like, like, think about it this way. As a Philadelphian, right. you might be confused and think that an important band to hardcore is Ink and Dagger. And all you got to do is go somewhere else in the country to figure out that nobody no one cares. likes Ink and Dagger another outside example, of Philadelphia. Another example, Turning Point. Yeah. If you like a certain kind of hardcore and you're from this part of the country. And you're a certain age. Chances are Turning Point is an important band to you. Yeah. But the reality is if you grew up in Southern California and you don't love a certain kind of hardcore, 
why would you even know who Turning Point yeah. is? You don't yeah, give a fuck. True. I I think they took on a little bit of a cachet later on. Later they, they're on, a bit of a t-shirt given, band. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they haven't had the huge impact. I think with Suspiria, for a certain kind of horror fan, you have to have at least seen Suspiria. If you say yeah. to someone, "I've never seen it," it's a it's bummer a thing. That's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. past that point, I don't know that Suspiria the remake. I feel like there are more people talking about the fact that there's a remake to Suspiria yeah. than people who actually just know the original Suspiria. Right, right. And right. in fact, I'd say probably a lot of people have been watching the original who wouldn't have otherwise watched it because they knew this remake they knew was, this coming was coming out. out and they wanted to be on board. Right. I think that's true. That's fair. I and could I'm be wrong. I could that. be wrong. And if you disagree, if you're listening to this, disagree, let us know. Maybe I have a different perspective. But from what I can tell, A, let's compare it to another well loved horror movie that to me is just as important. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. I would put money down that three times as many people have seen A Nightmare on Elm Street than have seen Suspiria. Yeah. Purely based yeah. on the fact no, that that's... it's an Italian film. Oh, wow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, that they're yeah, just yeah. like, like even though it's in English, right. it's like, oh, was it Dario Argento? Yeah, it's Witches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's from yeah. the 70s. Uh. Whereas, like, Nightmare on Elm Street obviously had a huge, you know, huge, culture. Yeah, or yeah. also, you know, talking about remakes, Halloween. I think Halloween in America is a much more important staple of horror, whereas a lot of people either haven't seen Suspiria or if they are the sort of film fan who's seen it, doesn't guarantee that they like they like it. Right. Because it's so weird. That's what makes it so great, though. Why don't we start off, so as I said, we're sort of flying by the seat of our pants here, <laughs> but I think why don't we start off talking about the original Suspiria before we jump into this remake. Right. So I think... Wait, before we begin our discussion, I also would like to say... Do it. Uh, last night, friend of the show, Pat Engelman, came out to see uh, Cross Keys when we played at Voltage Lounge. Sure. And uh, outside, he, him and his uh, his lady Beth were like, yo, we just saw the worst movie in the world, Suspiria. And I, I literally was standing there like in the cold while it was raining. And I was just like, this is the worst conversation I've had tonight. Let's be fair. It blew my mind, though. The worst movie no, you've dude, ever dude, seen. No, dude, 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 uh, <sighs> Friends of the show, right. Joe Yannick, yeah. Sam Deegan, they all don't Rob like Scavarla, yes. all think it's a piece of shit. Right. Uh, people who are not friends of the show, who I appreciate their work, already mentioned on this podcast, Alonzo Duralde, yeah. hated it, thought it was shit. Wow. Uh, April Wolf, who I also appreciate, right. uh, does the Switchblade Sisters podcast, thought it was pretty good, but thought it could be better if it was directed by a woman. Thought that it was a little, that that his male perspective was, was a little too... A little bit. You right. know, not bad. Still thought it was pretty had positive things to say about it, right, but right, was right. not in love with it by any stretch of the imagination. Were you in love with it? So I know you have a again. I want us to talk. I want us to talk about the original first. Just yes or no. But all I want to say is, all I want to say is this. I can't just say. I have to say. I think most things in the movie are great. Uh-huh. I'm really torn on the ending. Right. And I really think the climax of the movie is not well done. Right. But I don't know that that ruins the movie for me. I might just be like, okay, well. It's still good. It's still worth it. Right, right And right. years later, I might just, when I watch it again, be like, oh, this part is so bad. Why is this happening? <laughs> or maybe I'll change my mind and I'll like that part. Like, oh, that I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's not... This it's, is the cinema equivalent of Evo's like, oh, I'm not full, but I'm not hungry, if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, that's just because Evo could always eat. <laughs> He's the greatest. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's go. Let's talk about our relationship. What is... Talk about your relationship with the original 
Suspiria so, and Dario Argento in general. Dario Argento in general was a thing that I came to when I first moved to Philadelphia. So sure. we're talking like 2002, and I'd seen yeah. I'd seen the movies, but this is before like me actually like engaging in thinking about these movies beyond just what's coming into my eyeballs, right? Um, and actually, I will say Suspiria was a movie that um that I didn't quite get at first. It was one of those movies that I saw. And uh, I was like, I'm not sure I understand what's happening. Why is there walls talking? And, like, you know, there's daggers and eyeballs. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. And um, it took, when I was in Belagost, everybody in that band was, like, they were all movie buffs as well. Sure. And uh, I I had talked about it with Alan. And, I was, and he was just like, well, here's the thing. Like, how many movies have a person jumping through a window and ending up in a room full of barbed wire? Right. I was like, none. And he's like, and that's what makes this a genius movie because it's the most nightmarish of all of Argento's oeuvre. Like it's it's the one movie that that releases this grasp on a cogent reality. Right. Right. And then just throws you right into what is literally a nightmare scape. Right. And um I mean like, you know, and I've seen like I, I really do appreciate like the Italian horror of that era. Yeah. This movie, however, for me, after thinking about it in terms of like, this is a waking dream. This is a nightmare that's happening in in my face. And then you combine that with all the technical wonder of it because it's a beautiful fucking movie. Yeah, it looks unbelievable. It is gorgeous. It has turned it into one of my favorite horror movies of this era. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the thing is, it's one of those movies, too, that I go, I go back to. And I always feel like there are other layers that I wasn't aware of that I see. I think that's true. Yeah, as I as I move forward, going through it again, you know. Yeah, I mean, oh, uh, so I think I first saw this movie when I was, I think I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, it was one of the movies where I rented it. Uh, I think my mom was with me. It was like, you know, if I wasn't going to do anything fun with people, we would just go to the <laughs> movie store and like rent. Movies. It was like right, a real right, thing. Right. We'd go to Wow Video and just yeah. get, especially Wow, because they gave you free popcorn. Nice. Uh, so we're there, and I knew enough about horror at that time. I wasn't a huge movie person, but uh-huh. the way that I am now. But I knew that this was a movie people talked about. Right. And I knew it was Italian, and I knew that I had never seen it, and I thought I got to give this a try. Yeah. And my first, I remember the box cover too. It was pretty yeah. awesome. Oh yeah. And my first experience of the movie was that it was too unpleasant for me to enjoy wow yeah that it ended and i thought that wasn't scary for me the way that i found like a nightmare on elm street like scared me at the time but it was like really unpleasant and it kind of upset me and i like (laughs) didn't understand what i had watched and i remember thinking maybe that's just not for me Mm -hmm. and it took me a few years to come back to it um and what's funny is I went in a little skeptical because there are aspects of the movie that I think you could make fun of. Like, so for example, uh, Dario Argento in this movie makes a lot, like, gets a lot of work, a lot of work mm. out of like interior design. Right. Like, he's showing you fucking, you know. Uh, the school just looks amazing. Yes. It's, it's there's, like, there's shots of it's like, like Kubricky. Not even like, just the school, the hotel where the one girl dies, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everywhere, it's like, I mean, okay, now as an adult, I know what's partly what's going on is the lighting. Mm-hmm. There is no realistic lighting in this movie. It's Everything so is lit just with weird yeah. lights that are 
The, it's strangely gel. It's emotion. It's emotional lighting. The lighting gives you a oh. cue as to what's going on, but yeah, it's yeah, never yeah. realistic. There's no reason for those colors to be there. The uh, the interior design of the movie, like everything, feels menacing and weird, yeah. and all the angles feel completely off. And so, as I was going into that older, I thought those were dumb things that I was kind of making fun of the movie a little bit. Yeah. But then, as I watched it again. And then even again, mm. it started to feel like those were the good parts of the movie. It was almost yeah, like yeah, yeah. the things that felt stupid. I just Are wasn't. Actually, yeah, yeah I wasn't ready for it. For it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I think you're right. I, I okay. I want to acknowledge that calling something, uh, you know, uh, that something has nightmare logic. Yeah, is often a way to get around the fact that a movie has no Does, logic. Makes no sense. You, yeah. it can do weird work for you as a as a rhetorical device. But I think. When I say it, what I mean is that there is something um, visceral and psychological about Suspiria that isn't about, and this is what separates it, right? Like the new Suspiria, which we'll get into in a sec, but I want to say it has narrative layers that make me feel like someone really thought about it. Like they really thought deeply, okay, this is what I want to say and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. The original Suspiria, I think, has very little thought and is more a movie of feeling. It's Argento being like, this yeah. is going to be red and this is going to be green and oh, the, yeah, and it's all sure, about sure. this inner emotional response. Now, as a film fan, right, mm. I think that appeals to me more. And in fact, let me get on my little soapbox about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recently, uh, some I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about uh, this is not a film podcast. They're talking about whether they prefer film or TV in our current moment. Right. And, they were sort of making the point that they prefer TV because you can tell a better story, that you have more space to play. Over 10 episodes, you can tell a more complicated narrative story with more character development, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And that felt very... a two-hour. Yeah, it was very logical to them, Like, so it's going to be better. But, um, and I've said this before, but I just want to say, I don't know that movies are for storytelling. Like, I don't think that filmmaking is purely a narrative art form. Right. And in fact, I think American audiences are a little bit addicted to narrative. It's something right, I hear right, all the right. time about one of the main ways we evaluate a movie is how it works narratively and how the characters are developed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the only thing that matters. Now, don't get me wrong. If your movie is primarily a narrative movie yeah. and you tell the story badly, then I will also judge you the way that everyone else is judging you. Right, but right. To me, Suspiria is a kind of filmmaking where it doesn't matter that these are not real characters. It doesn't (laughs) matter that we don't know anything about them. It doesn't matter that there's no real arc. It doesn't matter that it's entirely on the surface. There's no backstory that really works. In fact, part of what makes Inferno not as good and what makes Mother of Tears utterly trash is the idea that there's there's a deep mythology that's moving these things. No one gives a fuck about the mothers. I mean, it's cool. It's a cool idea. It's a good concept. And and I like Inferno. I actually like Inferno. I think Inferno's underrated. Only Mother of Tears is horrific. Yeah, and I think the reality is that what what sort of works for the new Suspiria, and we'll get there, but I just want to mention it, (laughs) is that there is actually, to me, there's actually an undergirding that could work for future movies. Right. Like you could make okay. a trilogy of these movies and they would work for me thematically. Whereas with Suspiria, it's like, 
I don't need to know about the mothers. And and, and honestly, for that movie, you don't. It's mm. that you get to Inferno, and it's like, no, really, there's all there's these mothers. Like three it's mothers like, yeah. No one cares about that with Suspiria. What we <laughs> care about is that it's uncomfortable, and we're worried about Jessica Harper, and we want yeah. her to survive, and we're just sure that everyone is out to get her. And and yeah. in a very real way, compared to the this movie, the dance doesn't matter. No one's really dancing in fucking Suspiria. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all you really know is that the music and the editing and the color are making you uncomfortable. Right. And that while maybe maybe that's not what elements. other people are looking for in a movie, they really yeah. want to be involved in this deep story. That's fine. That is one way for a movie to exist. Yeah. But it's not the only way, and we make it the only way. Whereas, like, what Suspiria does is say, you're having an experience as a person watching this yeah. where the story isn't really that important. But it's the experience of the images and the and the motion. Yeah, which yeah. is what's weird. I mean, that's is, what we love about Jodorowsky. Is that, right. That's what we love that's about the Holy exactly. Mountain. Exactly. Like, that's what we love about El Topo. How annoying does it get for you when people watch El Topo or the Holy Mountain or at this point any Jodorowsky movie and they're like, "What do you think this part meant?" Like someone actually said yeah. to me, like when he wakes <laughs> up in the room full of Jesuses and he's beating up the Jesuses. <laughs> like, do you think that's like Jodorowsky's attack on traditional Christian? No, I think he and thought this is awesome fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again. <laughs> Are you looking for the layers when he shits in a jar? He shits in a jar. It turns into gold. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that these things don't point to Deeper places. Philosophical... There are ways that you can reflect on this that have meaning for you, but that doesn't yeah. mean that he sat there and thought, okay. <laughs> the frogs that I'm blowing up, those are literally this thing. You know what I mean? Like in the yeah. same way, like Suspiria is a visceral experience that yeah. at first I wasn't ready for, but I grew into it and now I love it. Now I also think it's limited. I think the true, uh, like, powerful storytelling movie experience would be to combine the visceral, emotional thing with a little bit of narrative that Suspiria doesn't have. Right. So, like, if someone was like, if someone asked me, like, what are your top 10 favorite movies of all time? Right. I don't know that Suspiria makes it in. It's an amazing horror movie. Yeah. It's a visceral experience, it's magical, but. Um, I also think the way that he's doing it is very limited. It is also a little bit of trickery. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I film it this way it's with a bit these of colors, like cinematic prestidigitation. Like yeah, it's like yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still amazing in that. And honestly, yeah. in some ways, I think the new Suspiria, mm. even though it, I think it fails in some ways compared to the old Suspiria, mm. it has things about it I really like. If you're going to tell a narrative story, I like that it has these echoes and reflections and other things yeah. going on. And a lot of things that people hate. Like I keep hearing people talk about how like the worst part about the context is that it doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, it doesn't have to go anywhere. Like I don't understand. Like yeah. the, there are narrative echoes that are that are worth reflecting on that don't have to be the 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 you know Weider Meinhof the RAF yeah, yeah doesn't yeah. need to be directly related to the witches right. for you to see that there are reflections of the two there you know yeah. anyway we're still talking <laughs> about the original so that's my problem um all I'm going to say is I I agree with you that what is magical though about Suspiria even though I think it's also, a limited it's like a weird movie thing. yeah you can watch it again to me at least yeah. you can watch it again and again and feel differently and have a different experience yeah um, and it's a movie that the experience of is important watching it at home on a blu-ray is different than seeing it projected in 35 millimeter yeah especially depending on the quality of the print yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like I've music. seen it on 35 did we see it on 35 yep I don't know if you went. Did you go to see it? They showed it twice because Harry has it. Uh, 
I don't. One time, I feel like I, I saw, saw it at thirty-five. I saw it at I House, and I yeah. saw it at the Roxy, which was technically a film society event, but it yeah. was Harry's print that they showed. Right? Do you remember? Did you go to I that? I think I went to, to Roxy. That. Yeah. 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 I don't remember that. No, you you did because I think you were next to me. Remember, I fell asleep. <laughs> and I started snoring, and you and had I to was poke like, me. Hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they it was like a midnight screening. Yeah. What, you do, know? what do you want from us? Sometimes, We're old. sometimes hey. I fall asleep. Yeah, it's fine. That's when you're supposed to. But anyway, not important. Point being, I th- I think we both went into this remake a little skeptical because the first is such a fucking magic trick. Like it's, it's well, I was way skeptical going into this. I was like, there's no fucking way this is gonna work because yeah. there's no reason the original works. Yeah. The original is like it's like your friend who fucking uh, s- made a jump on a skateboard that you didn't think he could make and he magically <laughs> landed it and looked cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if he was like 20 years, you know, whatever, <laughs> 50 years later, yo, I'm going to do that again. You're like, no, you're not. Yeah, definitely not happening. Like, no, it's like, it's like listening to Life of Agony. Like, it's hardcore, kind of. But is it? But then you're at the end, you're like, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah, River Runs Red <laughs> is an amazing Great. record. Yeah. And and of course the idea that they could get back together with Mina, yeah, and that it would still it be still good. Kicks like, oh my god, how does it's this like, work? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so but I think what he does, I mean, the first thing I want to compliment him, uh, especially the director, since he's been getting a lot of shit on from people who hated the movie, right. is um, I love that he does something different. I love that he doesn't try to re- he's not trying to remake Suspiria. Right. He's trying to make a movie that reminds you of some of Suspiria. what you liked about Suspiria, yeah. but is telling a completely different story. But using the underlying right. pinnings of right. Suspiria to cue I think that's a much better thing than just saying like I'm just gonna make my version of Suspiria and have yeah. it be very similar. Right, know? right, right. It's it's way better than any other remake that I've seen in the past ten years for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's funny because a lot of people I know who are defenders of remakes, I feel like didn't like this movie. But if really? they saw it, not everyone saw it. But, um, but for me, it's a better example of a remake that yeah, I've seen recently. Because, like, I mean, think about what other remakes have we seen in the past ten years? You know what I mean? Like, right? Of like well-loved properties like Suspiria, bad. The like the thing remake with uh, what's her name? Uh, the person from Scott oh, that's te- that's technically a prequel, right? Well, whatever. It's technically a bullshit, and that was. I mean, like some people like it, but I don't think whoa. it compares to Suspiria. Yeah, but I'm just saying, in terms of the remake culture, right, right, right. right I can't right. think of any other remake that I've seen recently that has had resonance with me, the to the degree of which I enjoyed the first one. Right. So, um, so you let's jump into your okay. For those of you who don't, let's let's do this first. We're gonna we're gonna spoil this movie. We're gonna spoil so, the shit out of this. So movie. I'm assuming you've seen it, but just in case you haven't, you know, it's similar to the original Suspiria. There's a a, a woman that comes to a school of witches. Yeah. The difference is that there's a, a there's a therapist involved. One mm-hmm. of the one of the uh, students at this dance studio has been having away issues, and, and she and, goes and, to talk to him. Yeah, she's talking to this therapist who is convinced that she's delusional, basically, yeah. and then she goes away and it's they probably killed her yeah, they never really say what, what happens to her, to her yeah uh, and then the other woman is slowly being this new student is slowly being brought into the school and, and she's being groomed to be like the head dancer and what 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 starts to happen is there's actually a political struggle because right. w- there's a woman there's a witch who's in charge of the coven right. and then there's a witch just below her who is not convinced 
of her direction for the coven. Right. But the coven is technically a democracy. And so, so they have like a vote. Yeah. And so w- what she wants is for this woman, this new dancer, to be groomed as a witch and for her powers to sort of be unleashed. What this older woman wants is a new body, basically. So she's going to transfer her consciousness into this young witch and she's yeah. going to take over you know, her body. And that's where the political struggle comes along is how we're going to treat this new person. What is, what is at stake here? Um, at the same time, there's some political intrigue going on and the uh, Bader Meinhof. Yeah. 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 The RAF is like in their whole struggle. And, yeah. and also, you know, some of these students start to go missing. And so, um, the police are investigating these missing students. Right. 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 Um, and then, you know, things go crazy and Jessica Harper's in it again. She is. Uh and, and, and it sort of culminates in a in a ceremony where they've decided to uh you know, put the the psyche of this old, sort of worn out mother into this new, new student. Yeah. And it turns out they were all wrong. She's actually the actual mother superiorum. Yep. She and, uh, kills a bunch of the coven. Not everyone who was on the side of the faker, but, yeah. but most of them. Uh and uh, this man, this uh, um, psychologist, w- was sort of brought in to be a witness to what's happening. Yeah, he, she erases his memories, gives him Alzheimer's. Yeah, um, which, by the way, is a happy ending. <laughs> it's it's a mixed. So I I think it's interesting because I, I, that moment is played in the moment weirdly, almost <sighs> tenderly. Yeah. But it sort of shows, and I think this is sort of the thing that I think is interesting about the movie that I like, that a lot of people maybe don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never given a solid moral ground. Right. When Mother Suspirium shows up, it'd be easy to see this as like a purity narrative. Mm-hmm. She's the real deal. Yeah. They're fakers. She's getting vengeance. And she's, so she's showing up and she's bleeding so she's, on them. So she's good because yeah. she's doing this. On the other hand, there's a lot of moments that are like unclear about whether you can trust her or not yeah. or what she's about. And that moment, I mean, she not only takes away his memory of them, he takes she takes away his memory of his wife. Yeah. Like what she gives to him is also a bad thing. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you're left and we left actually before the post credit scene. What's the post credit scene? Oh. Uh, it's another shot. You know, the sort of she does a certain thing to take away his memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a shot of her, and she does that to the camera. Oh, like the, with the hand. Yeah. Ah. And so the question then, I think, because there's something about that that is more menacing than comforting. <laughs> I think there's an idea here of um, that it's like rooted in, in, in malevolence. Yeah, like and is she is she like, good or bad? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and you don't know. But and, you, but the 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 feeling is that this isn't good. Right, I could just we do this a lot where we get we jump ahead of ourselves and go back. So I want to pull back and just start <laughs> okay, with okay, this. Okay. What did you think? I mean, I think you've sort of indicated that you enjoyed it, but let's get into like your actual. If you were just telling someone like, what did you appreciate about this movie? What did you not appreciate about the movie? Like, how? What is your like just straight up review of Suspiria, the new Suspiria? I, we, before we jump into anything details about we it, we have to talk about Tilda Swinton if we're going to talk about a review of this movie. Let's do it. Um, what I, it was. First of all, still mad about her being cast as the elder in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, if now, someone's trying to make the argument that Tilda Swinton is politically on point with everything. Right. Okay. I think we've no, seen. I'm that just she's, saying when I see her, I'm like, not. fake Conan O'Brien here sucks. That's my initial gut reaction. Right. Sure. That said, I thought that this movie was haunting. Right. And 
so she plays multiple characters in the movie, right? Including the doctor, and then she plays one of the other mothers. Did you find that distracting? I've heard a lot of people say they found it distracting. No, I found that to be like a terrifying line, because then it just adds to the weird like disconnect of the movie. So I, I feel like this movie is a movie that is centered on um, the sensation of no solid ground. Sure. And having her play multiple characters just adds to that slipperiness of this movie. Um, I think that technically I thought it looked beautiful, except for the final act. Like the third act when they go heavy with the C- CG, I was like, yeah. But up until that point, I thought that the hotel looked amazing. I yeah. thought that the school looked amazing. Yeah. The room of mirrors was awesome. Yep. Um, I really liked the entire lay of the land, actually. Even when, like, when the doctor and uh, the one uh, student are in the restaurant, like that looked cool. Like, I really liked the visual aspect of it all. Um, what is the name of the the young lady? Uh, Dakota Johnson. Yep. I thought that she was. Um, see, it's funny with these horror movies, you end up with these characters, and I feel like it's been happening a lot lately. But uh, it wasn't always this way where they end up in the middle of the story. They come to consciousness as the movie is already in, as all the elements of the movie are in play. Yeah. And I feel like she is that character in this movie, right? But it's not as, like, weirdly jarring to me. Right. Um, that said, I mean, like, of course, when you review the whole thing, you realize, like, oh, yeah, she already knew, like, what was the what, like, going in. You know what I mean? But um, I really felt disoriented by it in a way that I enjoyed. Right. That I felt like I'm along for the ride. Right. Um, I thought it was funny that Chloe Grace Moretz was in it. Because I, I feel like she's yeah. the, the remake queen at this point. She was in right. Carrie, the remake of right. Carrie. Like She's right. in like all these other movies. I'm like, yeah. oh, we need a creepy go-to lady. What's Chloe Grace Moretz doing today? What, you is, know she, what, what is she up to right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that was cool. I really liked the addition of like the context and like the weird music and stuff in the movie and the dance i thought the dancing was really great yeah i really liked that scene like yeah. it, i overall i um i was affected by this movie in a way that made me f- reflect on it for weeks after we saw it right and uh i still continue to chew on it as we're going to it now yeah i mean it's okay so let's just say up front it's it's not the visceral nightmare fuel that sus- the, original the original Suspiria is. Was, yeah. It's more of a narrative story. Right. And that narrative story maybe isn't as scary. It's not as disturbing in a lot of ways. But it's also it's also terif- It's rooted in malevolence, just like the entire yeah. movie. Like, here's the thing. This movie is mean. Yep. This is not a pleasant movie. Nope. And that's the thing. Like, even though... You, and you want it to be. You want elements of it to be, like, somewhat uplifting or at least somewhat redemptive. Right. And you end up at the end being like, yo... Witches are fucked, bro. Like that shit. Dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing is that like um, when I'm watching this, is like for some people the witches aren't malevolent enough. Like they're too relatable, and then for other people they're too malevolent because they wanted like relatable feminist witches. Right. And right, what right, I like right. about this is like all these things to me relate to. Th- this is why it relates to the RAF for me. Right. Because the biter the biter Meinhof group to me mm-hmm. was both interesting and fucked up. Right. To me, a lot of those political movements of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Have you not? When I read what a lot of people are saying about Suspiria, Mm -hmm. I'm struck by the reality that they've never sat and thought, maybe I should just like go like. To me, if you are an actual political radical, Mm -hmm. even if you're the nicest dude in the world or the nicest lady in the world, I shouldn't be sexist or non-gender individual, (laughs) non-gender individual, nicest person, go on, nicest person. 
if you believe in anything radical or revolutionary, if you really believe in it, at some point you've thought seriously, is murder okay? Right. And if you haven't, then you haven't actually thought about your beliefs. Right. And I'm not saying you should end that thought with, yes, murder (laughs) is okay. Because that's not where I ended. I ended very much with, I'm a pacifist and Mm -hmm. I'm a, but like, that should be on your mind unless you are a total conformist. Right. Because the the history of the world is that changes happen because a bunch of people die. Yeah, That's just the reality. Yeah, it's rooted and, in blood. Yeah. And if you want to believe in a world that can change without lots of death, I'm okay with that. I'm with you. <laughs> it's but also not what reality. This, I'm not saying yeah. it's not a reality. I, I'm not trying to make a solid political statement about this. What I'm trying to say is, the uh, the idea that the witches and the RAF are not similar and there's no relationship to them is, is weird to me yeah, because yeah, yeah. they are both groups who are using what little power they can find to try to do something. Now, right. clearly the RAF is making a much more public stance than the witches, but the witches have the power that they found and they discovered, it feels like, at least from the movie, yeah, that they discovered their power during World War II. Right. That they this is they were one of the groups sort of pushing against the Nazis, but not coming out in full on against the Nazis. And in a real way, the history of the RAF is related to World War II. Mm-hmm. It's related to if we're going to be real leftists now in response to what happened in the past, right. we're going to go fucking out there. Like, and that's also going to be brutal because in order to change the world, you have to make drastic decisions. Uh, now, personally, I don't think those decisions should involve hostages or murder, <laughs> but I think that because I considered it, because I really thought, what am I willing to do to make the world a better place? Right, and I'm right, not right. willing to murder people as of right now. <laughs> as of the recording of this podcast. Right. It's one of the reasons I'm totally comfortable with thinking about what sort of uh, what sort of reciprocal punishments do I want people in the Trump administration to suffer. Right. Because I know death is not on the on, not the, on the on table, yeah. table, and honestly, torture really isn't on the table. <laughs> I'm really just picturing like Jeff Sessions in a work group fixing highways. That doesn't seem so bad to me. He could have his life back once the highway's fixed and go yeah, be yeah, an yeah. old racist somewhere. That's fine. <laughs> that makes me feel like that's a world I want to like live a in. Redemptive world where someone where has to pay needed. the price, but the price isn't going to be brutal life. or cruel. Yeah. It's just going to be something you have to do to make amends. Right. I say that because um, the question of what you're willing to do is a morally ambiguous question. Mm. Now, it creates a moral lack of certitude because you've made a decision. Right, right, But you should feel morally ambiguous about the decision because you have flirted with possible evil because you felt like you needed to. Right. To me, this coven exists in a world that is uh, patriarchal. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're trying to exist in opposition to that world. Right. And it's set at a time where we know that whatever they're doing, even with the fucking mother suspiriorum in their myths, mm-hmm. you know they don't change the world, right? They don't no. even make it that yeah. much better for women because it, it was 40 years ago. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we know that this is one more group solidifying, you know, consolidating yeah. whatever power they have for no good. Right. Even though <laughs> literal, the literal divinity they worship is in their myths, it don't matter. <laughs> yeah. And so... If you don't, for me, if you don't see the similarities between that and the RAF, mm. I just don't feel like you're paying attention or you don't actually know the history of the thing. Right, now, right, right, granted, right. maybe your argument is, well, they should have given us even more context. But, oh, the RAF. Yeah, but I, I just think that it should be clear that what's at stake here is not 
actually this larger, I don't think what's at stake here is the larger question of revolutions, though I think that's what I was thinking about to some extent. Mm. What's at stake here is a group that has good things about it. Right. We are women and we're exerting our power can also be bad. And maybe a male director, this is why I found April Wolf's criticism the one that really resonated with me. Yeah. I'm not sure that a male director is actually the best person to, to remind us story. all yeah, yeah. that women can also be evil. I mean, I think it's good <laughs> because if every movie about women is about how powerful and wonderful and majestic they are, mm-hmm. that's actually also a kind of problem, a right, representational right, right. problem. It's because like the pixie girl, like, exactly. broke, like just exacerbated to a bigger scale. To some extent, we should be happy that this is a film in which women are not just filling a stereotype in being witches. Mm-hmm. They are fully developed people with good things and bad things about them. Right. They're willing to kill to get what they want, but what they want is not necessarily a bad thing. And right. it doesn't matter. Even if you think it's a bad thing, the reality is there's also hypocrites in that world. I mean, yeah. what is yeah, yeah, yeah. the relate to me, the resonances between this and a Christian story. I are mean, literally so, once you mentioned this, this whole concept to me, it blew my mind there to me is a very Christian, I mean, I need to see it again, but there is a very Christian center to Suspiria in the sense of, and I don't mean this in that related to Jesus, what I mean is the narrative of there's a pure being who shows up and reveals the hypocrisy, and so now we're (laughs) going to be back on the path to righteousness. Now, granted, it's a witchy righteousness, so it involves... You know, her mercy to some guy is making him fucking Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, you know. Yeah. Her mercy is like you don't have to feel bad about this. You know what I mean? Like, but it's also not like we're gonna stop this bad thing. It's like we're yeah, just gonna change the, your perception. The dance school, the dance school goes on too. They yeah. now have her leading them. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. in other words, I I think that um, there are so many resonances to ways that Christians think about themselves mm-hmm. without it being. Um, what I'm not saying is that it's a secret Jesus movie. That's not what I mean at all. <laughs> but I think that the sort of narrative it's telling is related to narratives that the church tells about itself. Right. Someone's right. going to come and they're going to show us the right way. And, and they're, they're going to unseat the false prophets and, yeah. you know, and everyone's hypocrisy is going to be exposed yeah. and it's going to be this ebullient explosion of blood. And yeah. 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 So, yeah. okay. So let me get back into I, what I want to say. I totally agree with you. I think the performances are great. Mm-hmm. I, Were I, you off put by Tilda Swinton playing multiple <sighs> characters? I think it's a weird choice for the doctor. Um, I think <laughs> partly what you get at that is that um, I think what you have there is that both the doctor and uh, Tilda Swinton's other character oh. are resident of each other. Yeah. They're both true believers in something. Right. right. And they're both uh, wrong. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. Tilda Swinton can't see literally, even though she's more, I think she's more dedicated to the real idea of Mother Suspiriorum. Uh-huh. Okay. I think they're both devotees of something in their skepticism. The doctor's pure science and everything yeah. has to be logical. So and like he's just male talk. power, or whatever. Where yeah. she very much believes in this like empowerment and freedom, whatever. And she really is going out of her way to empower this character. Yeah. And part of her questioning of this other person is how selfish it is. Now that's not to say that the witches are particularly magnanimous, but she believes in something. Right, There's right, a something right. we should be going for. And what you're doing, I mean, again, the relationship to REF should be clear here. There's a thing we're trying to achieve, and that thing is a pure thing. Yeah. But your motivation, Mother, whatever yeah. her name is, I forget, Marcos, Mother yeah, Marcos, yeah, yeah. I don't believe your motivation. I think you are selfish. I think you're doing something for you. I think you're mm. taking this thing and making it about you. I think there are resonances between their characters that way, so I get why they're playing both. Right, right, right. 
But it Do you is. Think she smokes for real, by the way. I don't know. But there are times. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, I wonder if she's actually. But smoking. there were times where it was a little distracting. It was a yeah. little. It was a little. Uh, what is it? What's the Eddie Murphy movie where he plays all the characters? Oh, the clumps <laughs> or whatever. Is a little clumsy at times. <laughs> at first, I really believed it, but as the movie yeah. goes on, it kind of falls apart, and you can kind of tell there's something going on there, and it's yeah. a little distracting. Yeah, yeah. I think if there were more clear resonances between the two characters, like I have to reach. Yeah. To create to that relationship. Like that, yeah. It, the movie could have made that more of a deal. And if it's if that's not the point, they just were like, we just wanted to cast her in two roles. I don't three see roles. three roles. I yeah. don't see the point. I don't see the point of that. Yeah. I will say there are other residences though. One thing that a lot of a lot of people pointed out in the movie, mm-hmm. um Dakota Johnson's character isn't just Mother Suspiria. She's a person with a history who has become Mother, Mother Suspiria. She's Mother Suspiria reborn in a real person. Right. And that real person is like this weird, old school Mennonite, almost yeah. Amish. Yeah. And her mom died and she had this front relationship with her mom and her mom is suffering or whatever. One of the things we're not talking about is how the death character that shows up, you mm-hmm. know, she basically in this scene, which I'll talk about my problems with the scene, but she calls forth death and yeah. death murders all these witches who are, you know, fake, fake witches. Uh, her mother plays that role. Oh, the embodiment of death that shows up is played yes. by the actress who plays her mother. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's amazing. To me, that shows that some of this casting, there's something going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. does it entirely work? I don't know if it works for Tilda Swinton, but it, I thought that was cool with the death. Um, so I think I agree with you that the movie looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't like how drab it is, but I like that. I, I actually like it, drabness. and I think yeah. it, I think it really highlights this sort of East German thing, and the it presence. also highlights its de- departure from the original. Yeah, spirit. and the, the presence of the wall being there. Yeah, there's all this thing about the time and place that you're in, and right. how even I think the dance relates to that context. The problem with the scene in the temple is not the ridiculousness of the scene itself it, which is clear, amazing it is amazingly ridiculous when they're naked and screaming and they're and doing all this stuff dancing and murdering these like these they have these uh sort of failed women yeah who d- it didn't work for and they're using their blood and there's oh all this God. shit there's it's like just a, crazy there's like a temple there's like an altar made i, I out love of naked i love all of it but yeah, yeah, all yeah. of that climaxes into this moment uh, and if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And I hate to ruin it for you if you haven't, but then turn it off. <laughs> this moment where she calls forth, she reveals that she is Mother Suspirium. Right. And she calls forth Death, who now is going to take her revenge. And Death goes ham on these witches. The color changes. Yeah. And we get this explosion of yeah. CGI blood. It's all yeah. CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the red palette takes over and it all looks very, uh, it looks literally like a Demu Borgia fucking music video. It does. It, it looks does. bad. And but maybe on feel, maybe it, on multiple watches, I'll feel what I think some people have felt like we're in a different reality at that point. And that's why it looks different. Whatever. I just think it looked bad. It looked bad. It <laughs> looked bad. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And it it took me out of the movie and it made me mad. And then the whole denouement, yeah. all the stuff that happens after that. Yeah. Was less interesting for me because I was so bummed on that scene <laughs> that I wasn't as engaged as I should have been for <laughs> that, that ending. That ending is so brutal. It, the ending is way more brutal than all the blood, too. That's well, and I think what happens with the ending is that it's a reminder of how uh, fragile and useless we all are because yeah. this space that he's kept that is so important to him, he maintains this property for him and his wife. And it's just erased. It's just, a, yeah, everyone just moves on. Life yeah. moves on. And I think that is part of what the movie is about. Now, 
I don't know that it makes a solid statement about that. But the idea, like, this moment is so important, all this fucking uh, conniving between the witches and the conniving of the RAF and this political moment. Everyone's like, everything's going to change because of this. And what that ending shows you is nothing has changed. This had no effect. The that RAF, time carries on. The fucking reality is that it's not clear that any of these political movements, no matter who they murdered or what they blew up, were, really changed the world yeah. in any way. The or world just kept going. Any causes, yeah. The they world just, just kept return, r- rotating, <sighs> and, and which is really depressing to say. But it's, it's just such a dystopian. Real. That's the thing. That's like the the weird disconnect yeah. of the movie, right? Yeah. Like. Ultimately, it shows you it's ineffective. Like, yeah, it ju- it shows you how ineffectual it is. Ultimately, I mean the and, the idea that these witches all they've worked for is to have Mother Suspirium in their midst. Yeah, and and is it going to do anything? Is it going to change anything? Is it the world going to be different? She kills them. <laughs> she kills most of them. Most yeah, of them are dead. Insane. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I fucking love and that shit. <laughs> I just thought it was. I yeah. I get it. For a lot of people, they couldn't buy in. They thought right. it was really stupid. They couldn't connect with it. But I just don't feel it, man. I felt that this was a really great movie with one moment that wasn't even... (laughs) Here's the thing about that moment, too. It just looks bad. I'm not even saying narratively it doesn't work. Like when when Tilda Swinton gets it, like she just pauses and then like the blood's spewing from her neck and it's like... Right. You'd think it'd be more. Just saying. I don't know. Even the way that... I mean... uh, the the fact that Dakota Johnson's chest opens up, yeah, and there's a <laughs> vagina in her chest from which she is speaking, yeah. Uh, is it as empowering as it was envisioned to be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it's meant to be empowering. I think it's meant to be frightening. It I think it's meant it to be definitely disturbing. Was not frightening. Disturbing, that's, maybe. That's my thing. Is that narratively, I'm fine with it. I just think visually, it doesn't all work. Right. I think. I think if he had not totally given into the cgi and mm-hmm. come up with a practical way Dude. to accomplish just the same like the, sort the, of slaughter the, i think it would have visually worked better i just think he has to go this way because the cgi has to look less ugly than it is yeah the only way to do that is to like change the entire palette of the movie for that moment man and it wild. doesn't it doesn't work and I, I hate to say it because again we are compared to everyone else lovers of this movie right but I think that climax is stupid, and he loses. Yeah, he the, loses the a lot thread. of momentum that he. That, that's a th- oh man. But the thing is, yeah, if they went practical on it, like the way the old, the elder mother look, yeah, terrifying. That's what I'm saying. That's all practical effects, on? and it yeah, works like, so what well. What the hell was that about? Yeah, and her interacting with Tony Swinton. You know, any movie where two actor or two characters are interacting with each other that are the same character, yeah, it can be really bullshit, and nothing about that moment. Is bullshit, bullshit until all, the yeah. color changes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's, That's just my feeling. And again, no, if you not... love this movie, hopefully there are some people listening to this who do love this movie as much as we really enjoyed it. Yeah. And you might say, I don't care. I thought it worked. That's yeah. fine. I'm not here to ruin it for you. <laughs> I just think for me personally, <laughs> if just... he makes more of these movies, which he very well might, he yeah. might make his own Inferno or his own Mother oh, of wow. Tears. Dear God. He's talked about it that he would be interested in I doing a trilogy. I would stop right here. <laughs> you did it. No, people. I'm fine. I'm no, all no, for no, him no. making more of these, but please learn from this particular <laughs> mistake and do not go into this fucking CGI bullshit. If you can't do it practically, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Come up with a Yeah, okay, yeah. This is what I'm saying to people. People sometimes talk about movies like uh like you can do anything. 
And uh-huh. in theory, you can. Yeah. But in reality, you can't. Every movie is a problem the way that every project is a problem. You have limited resources, limited time, limited ability. Right. So take all three of these of the triangle into account and then and come up with, in your fucking script a way to do what you want to do that doesn't require you to do that shit. Right. Because right, it didn't right. work for me. And yeah. I don't think it worked for a lot of people. No, I think for a lot of wrong. people, yeah. it was the tipping point on a movie that maybe if that moment had gone differently, they would have viewed the rest of the movie in a different way. Right. I think for a lot of people, that moment was so stupid that it made them think the whole movie was stupid. And I don't think the whole movie is stupid. I think the yeah. whole movie outside of that moment is actually really good. Yeah. Really fucking good. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So I mean, I mean it, it didn't as viscerally affect me as it did you. Mm. But uh I mean it definitely took me out of the movie. It right. slipped me right out of the stream and I was like, oh man, okay, we're going here. But I it didn't like make me angry. It made me angry, but it didn't make me angry enough to say the movie was bad. <laughs> yeah. When we left, I thought, I hate that moment, but I think the movie's over pretty good. And when people have been like, every part of this movie's stupid. I mean, literally people saying, the Holocaust subplot is offensive. Wow. And I'm like, how is it offensive? It's part of the movie. It's, it works in the story. I don't, <laughs> I don't get we it. Are yeah. in, we are in Germany in the 70s. Like, <laughs> to leave out the Holocaust might have been more offensive, yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah. It seems a little bit worse somehow. And I mean, yeah. when when they say she goes into a camp, right? Yeah, they don't mean a German camp; they mean a Russian camp. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that said, I highly recommend this movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it, despite mm-hmm. people who respect having like misgivings about it. And uh, I trust. Well, that. I'm also not here to shame. If you didn't like the movie, you didn't like the movie. Yeah, I don't care. That's fine. Like, I'm not going to make you feel bad, and I'm certainly not trying to convince anyone because it this is. I think there are certain movies you can try to convince someone. Like, I think you're missing what makes this movie good. Yeah, this movie is crazy. Like, yeah, if yeah, you, yeah, if yeah. it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. I'm not going to have an argument about that. Yeah, it's like it, again, I go back to Joe Dorowski. Like, if you don't like Holy Mountain, I don't know how to tell you to like Holy Mountain. You just like it or you don't. Yeah, and this is one of those movies. So. Yeah. You know, I hope I to my friend Pat. I hope I, you don't think I was shaming you. Not that you're probably going to listen to this, but it definitely blew my mind because I realize also yeah. talking about it now. I haven't talked about this movie with a lot of people. Yeah, like I haven't been. Like, I think Yo, this, this is because you're you're less involved on the internet than yeah. I am. Yeah, and so uh, I learned how to use computer today, though, so that's pretty cool. That's true, but I just think <laughs> I've had more opportunity. I haven't gotten into it a lot, no. but I've had more opportunity to interact about it than you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I haven't tried to go ham on it and like get really into it yeah. until now because I, I didn't want to make it seem like I was trying to change anybody's mind. Right. I don't want to have an argument about it. I don't want to change your mind about no, it. If you hated it, you hated it, it. Yeah. it's fine. It's cool. But I, I'm, I we wanted can still to... be friends if you hated it. Actually, uh, we probably still love you very much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, if, if for some reason you listen to this whole thing and you haven't seen it, yo. Sorry. Sorry and also go see it it also doesn't matter you could just watch it yeah, even knowing so everything crazy. like i mean great look we all knew what was going to happen going in we all knew it was a tragedy of some sort right right because right. we saw it. it's a remake right but that said it's the journey and not the destination as they say i agree and this 100%. is that, that this is that movie for sure all right. Well, I think we'll take we'll stop it there i don't know there's much else we can say about it other than if you are willing to i'd recommend seeing it again because yeah. I just think there's stuff to think about there. It's definitely more than a one-time watch. Yeah, and again, sure. I, you know, it's it's not necessarily my favorite movie of the year or something like that. But I, it I, is I a think, glorious movie in its own way, though. It's yeah, and so I think my passion for it comes from 
does come a little bit from like seeing people just feel like it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. I'm like really, <laughs> I really think it worked most of the way through and had yeah. some really interesting things yeah. about it. But lots of beautiful visuals about it. Yeah. I had fun with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, hey, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Episode 87. Do us a favor. Check us out on the Twitter and the Instagram. We're at Cinepunks on both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like us on Facebook. That'd be really cool. And also on iTunes, if you could rate, review, and subscribe. That'd be really cool. That is the currency that makes podcasts go. Yeah. Check out some of our other shows. Uh, Hard Business, Wine and Cheese, uh, Mandate, uh, Black Sun Dispatches. We got a lot of shows. We got They're a lot really of shows. Cool. More coming, too. More yep. coming. Yep. So, you know, show love. That's what we got. All right. We got to stop because I got to go pee. Okay. <laughs>